25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. What about this new guy? The new guy. It's going to split the locker room. Well, Matt, doesn't this mean that? Doesn't this mean that they're giving up on Keaton Thompson? I don't really believe that. Tell you what I think. Welcome in. Hour two, just getting started. I'm Matt, live in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, men and women at Farm Bureau, go down there to your local Farm Bureau office. You'll be glad you met them. And you'll have insurance taken care of all under one roof with someone you know personally, who's probably and most likely is from the same area that you're from, right there at home. And somebody that, you know, you have that fender bender at 11 o'clock on Saturday night. You don't have to wait till Monday and call an 800 number. Nope. You pick up the phone right then. You call their cell phone because they live right down the street. And they come out and see you. It's that simple. That's what you get. That kind of that personal touch with Farm Bureau, the home team. All right. A text on the text line from Tim says, don't count Keaton. He's very talented out just yet. I get exactly what you're saying, Tim. It's just a very interesting sentence structure. <laughs> just have a little fun with you. I know how these phones sometimes switch it up. It's supposed to say, don't count Keaton out just yet. He's very talented. And you may have typed it that way. This is the way it came through, though, on our text line. Don't count Keaton. He's very talented out just yet. <laughs> Was that on purpose? I'm just hey, saying. Throw Obama from the train. A kiss. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. Here's a, a text from an unnamed texter at 885-ESPN. He says, I think what is clear is that Thompson was not the guy last year. If he had been anywhere close, I think he would have got a chance several times, especially the LSU game. Can he get there? I don't think Moorhead wanted to risk this season on Thompson's improvement. I would guess if he does not start at quarterback, he could find his way on the field. A lot of stuff there. All right, so I'm going to use your text to kick off the conversation. When you have a senior QB who is an all-time SEC record setter, which Nick Fitzgerald was and is, you don't take him off the field in SEC games in which you are behind or with a chance to win. Unless he has completely the bed. 
<laughs> I got my hand up. Now, I was nowhere near a record setter, but I got my hand up as a guy who knows what it feels like to go out there and the bed, and they sit you on the bench. Well, Nick never did that last year. Oh, well, Matt, boy, he had a hard time against LSU, and he was, I get it. Guess what? He's not the only one out there. And coaches, more intimately than anybody else, know, in fact, whose fault it really is when things don't necessarily go that well. And when everything's screwed up, you don't place it on one guy's shoulders. When everything is fouled up in a game, making a change at one position won't do squat. And so I would say to you and to all of us, what we got to do is just like a coach and just like a team is always trying to do, we're always trying to get better. See, Joe Moorhead's objective here, you know what he's paid to do? is to improve the team every day, every week, every month, every year. That's what he's paid to do. If he does not, he will not have that job. He's got to do it. Period. It's just like Dan Mullen when he was there said that his philosophy was to always try to sign a better player than the one they were replacing. Well, heck, if you do that over four or five years, guess what happens? Well, you start winning instead of six, seven games, you start winning eight, and then nine, and then a ten, and then you get ranked really highly, and then you go to eight or nine straight bowl games. Trying to sign a better player every year than the one he's replacing. Period. Joe Moorhead, in this situation, I'm not putting words in his mouth, but it's what I would do if I were the coach of the team. It's what you would do, too, if you understood it. Is you might say to someone like Keaton Thompson, I'm not replacing you at all. You're right there with a chance to be our starting quarterback. One of 14 starting quarterbacks in the Southeastern Conference on the face of the earth. You have that opportunity. But look, as the coach, it is my job to look for any way possible to improve our team. And frankly, number one, if this guy comes in and through the competition makes you better, we're better. Frankly, if he comes in and competes and is our best option, we're better. That's my job. We all just have to understand that. So that's one of those is-what-it-is situations. Okay, and a little bit of an explanation on some of that. Now, let me tell you a little bit that I have learned about Tommy Stevens. Let me give you some contextual on him, okay? Indiana, he went to a high school in Indianapolis. Originally committed to Indiana, then switched over to Penn State. He was a three-star recruit. His numbers in high school don't blow anybody away. But he was very consistent, very solid. I think his last two years of high school, something like 3,500 yards, 20-something touchdowns, and just a few interceptions. He was really good there. And he ran the ball really well. He was, I think if you added up his last two years running the ball, he was like maybe just under 1,000 yards rushing each of his last two years of high school and, and, and productive. But, but one thing you notice about him, even if you just look at him in high school, is he's a two-way player. 
which is different than a lot of college quarterback recruits, frankly. He's out there at safety and, and strong safety and linebacker making tackles on every series of his high school career also. He's playing on special teams. He's doing all kinds of stuff. It's non-typical. The kid is an athlete. And so then you go, well, yeah, so he, he's a runner, not a thrower. Well, I started watching some tape, learning about the quarterback competition he went through at Penn State. And actually, what he is is a thrower who can really run. It's a kid in Tommy Stevens who can really throw the football. I mean, he can really throw the ball. And so you say, well, why didn't he ever become the starter at Penn State? Well, this is what I've learned. So in 2016, now we're back to a time when Joe Moorhead is the offensive coach at Penn State, 2016. They had an offseason, summer, and then fall camp competition to win the quarterback job. The final two guys, the two guys in the race, Trace McSorley and Tommy Stevens, this kid. McSorley, the smaller physically, Tommy bigger, probably a little faster, McSorley won the job. But it was really, really close. In fact, coaches on that staff and team, and they all say that, see, they named Trace McSorley the starter at Penn State on like August the 24th. I think I read a, an old piece from back then. It's like on August the 24th of that year. That's how long into fall camp. Basically, the week of the first game that year is when they finally named McSorley the starter over Tommy Stevens. And that it was close enough. It was so close that, frankly, had had you named Tommy Stevens the starter, nobody on the team would really have been that surprised. That's how close it was. Well, McSorley took the job and went on to become a record setter. Just got drafted by the Ravens. So we know the rest is history. So his freshman year in 2016, Stevens, they got him on the field. In 2017, Moorhead got him on the field all over the place. They put him at running back. Literally, go back and watch Penn State in 2017. 6'4", 225-pound Tommy Stevens lined up at running back opposite of Saquon Barkley. They handed him the ball. He ran routes out of the backfield. They threw it to him. He played receiver. They lined him up in the slot. He ran a lot of different routes and stuff in their RPO scheme. He caught touchdown passes against Northwestern. I mean, he did everything. And then in the limited time, he didn't throw a lot of passes in 16 and 17 in his career. He got hurt last year and missed basically a, most of the season last year with an injury. But in the limited pass attempts, he's been pretty good, didn't throw any picks, just didn't have very many. When you go back and you watch him throw the ball, he's somebody who he just has just – you can see why a Penn State would sign him as a quarterback. And you can see why he would challenge a McSorley for the job in that first fall camp because he just has a natural ability to throw the ball and throw it down the field. He just didn't get on the field. Um, couldn't win those competitions. That's you know that's where he was. He was a backup QB, but a backup QB that was a a tough kid and a and a good enough runner that they were playing him 
as a running back and as a receiver at six foot four. And so he's tough. And so I like that. That's what you need to know. That's the context. That's what you see behind him. Now, last night late, and then I'm coming to Gator Greg on the phone. Last night late, I posted a video. You can see it on my Twitter feed, at Radio Wyatt, or go to my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Matt Wyatt Media. And you can see the link. You can watch it's 10 plays that illustrate four different ways that they used Tommy Stevens at Penn State in 2017. Throwing the ball as a quarterback, running the ball as a quarterback, taking handoffs as a running back, and catching passes as a receiver. (laughs) They used him in all four ways. So he's just kind of like a throwback football player is really what he is. Watch that video and see what you think. Gator Greg on the Divinity Equipment phone right now. What's up, Greg? Well, well Mr. Wyatt, I, I, about the Stevens uh, uh, transfer, I, mean, I guess you see your version of Trevor Knight that we you know, saw at Texas A&M a couple of years ago. He kind of, to mm-hmm. me, reminds me of him. Uh, I did look at your little uh, your highlights and stuff. And I, I look at it more as insurance, you know, uh, mm-hmm. with the capability of, you know, if, if things struggle or, you know, you have an injury that you might have somebody that's familiar with your system. Now, I'm just going to ask you, do you think he fits Moorhead's system? Now, I don't want to get into one person doesn't fit one better, yeah. but do you think he's a little bit more conducive fit with his skill set to what, what we think Moorhead wants to do this year? I'd be interested to see. Uh, one thing I always tell you about, maybe this summer you might do, let's see if he's down or uh, Keaton's down at the uh, Manning Passing Academy uh, when we see about the young college quarterbacks in the summer. I mm-hmm. think that's kind of an indication. I'm kind of curious to see what you think. I think even Felipe Franks is going to be down there this year. Lord, he needs some help at the Manning Passing Academy, the Florida quarterback. But anyway, Mr. White, you have a good show. We appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, Congratulations to you at Mississippi State Bulldogs. Outstanding baseball season. You did a great job on the game the other night. They need to make you the full-time play-by-play on the baseball on the ESPN+. Plus. You did a good job, Mr. Wyatt. I think your future's in baseball. We'll see you. Man, I appreciate that, Greg. Chomp, chomp. Out he goes. There he is. Go Gators. That's Gator Greg. Appreciate the compliment. Yeah. See, Tommy Stevens, he's an athlete, man. The kid can run. He's like running over people at the goal line against Iowa. You know, he's running a slot vertical on an RPO against Northwestern as a receiver. Uh, He's getting handoffs and then throwing it, you know, like a tailback pass, except he's a quarterback, you know, and then he's also playing QB. He had a play in there against Georgia State in a non-conference game. It was a blowout, so it's at the end. He's in there. So he's throwing a, a deep post for a touchdown, throws it. You know, it's a 45 or so yard play. And his offensive line, where those are backups too, one of them turns a defensive tackle loose on a twist. It was actually the end, I guess, coming free on a twist right up the chute. And, I mean, he just gets plowed. I'm talking just flattened as he's throwing the football, but he stepped right into it, never brought his eyes down, pumps it back there to the goalpost and touchdown. It's a great play. And and he can just he can. He can just throw. So I don't even you you say, Greg, about his skill set, his fit. 
in the offense at State. I just think it is a skill set that absolutely fits what Joe Moorhead would want in a quarterback in the system. Joe Moorhead wants a quarterback who can run. That's my take. That's not me repeating something to you that Joe told me or something. No, listen. You don't. He didn't have to say it. You know it. Look what they did at Penn State. Look who they recruited. Look who they signed. Look what they ran. In 2017, they had times where they would shift and Saquon Barkley would become the quarterback and the quarterback became the running back. All kinds of different things. Last year, they had two quarterbacks on the field at the same time, Keaton and Nick. They want to do those things in this offense. So all the stuff about fit, there's so much out there where people just take something and run with it and it's not really even really close to accurate. I think. Listen, I'm saying this emphatically. I would I would bet on this. They at state want a quarterback who can run. <laughs> it is just as important to what they're going to do as throwing. But that's the key right there is the throwing part. That's where they fell short last year. There was no continuity in their pass game. From the way the receivers were coached, there was a lack of continuity, a lack of chemistry, I think, in the receiver room with coach and players. The way things were taught, it was not translating on the field enough. Enough. They've got to get better. There was a lack of continuity too often between quarterback and receiver. And there was a lack of precision. There were too many times where they didn't fit the ball in that tight window when they had to. There were too many times when the ball got there and they didn't hang on to it when they had to. All that stuff better improve or it's not going to be pretty. And if I know it, you know they know it. So I don't look at this with Tommy Stevens, even as Gator Greg said, as, a, as an insurance plan. I look at this as this is someone who is a fit from a skill set who already has two, essentially three years in that offensive system and terminology coming in, who can A, compete for the starting job, at best win the starting job and be good, but at worst Yes, give you depth and push the heck out of Keaton and the other quarterbacks to improve because they're all going to – the more competition, the better. Go to a local sales office that's sagging, that's slumping, and bring in a new, young, fire-breathing salesperson into there and give them an office. Watch what will happen. The lazy ones will weed themselves out and leave and quit, and the other ones will get on their horse every time. Look what happened to the Southeastern Conference in terms of football hires and football programs when Nick Saban came back into the league. Go back and look at at the SEC football status across the league in 2005 and 2006 and compare it to 2008 and 2009, three years later. 
Nick Saban's presence, just bringing him in, forced everybody else in the league to get their act together because they knew they had better. The more competition, the better. The rising tide raises all ships. I know, pun there. But what I'm telling you is, it's not just a pun. It's a real deal. Stick somebody good in that competition, it's going to make everybody better. It'll make the team better. That's the number one thing. Does Tommy Stevens legit have a chance to win the starting job? I think so. Does Keaton Thompson legit have a chance to win the starting job? I believe so. I know so. And again, I'm an old guy now, but I'm telling you, I was there 20 years ago. I know what it's like. <laughs> when, you know, young guy Wayne Madkin comes in and he's taller and faster and got a little bit stronger arm. And all of a sudden, man, the competition raises. And if you want to be, you have two choices. You can either leave and move on or you can accept it and figure out a way to get better and benefit your team. And if you do that, you're all better for it. They've got to get better. This is a move at a coaching staff doing something to get better. Because, frankly, they have no choice as coaches to get better in the pass game. I'll take your thoughts on it. Texts and calls next. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! with the home team. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Chad Kelly has landed on his feet. No, and I I don't mean after having been beaten over the head with a vacuum tube. Mm. What I mean is the Colts have signed former Broncos quarterback Chad Kelly. So here it is. Here it is. I'm sure they did their research. And maybe Chad, after that latest incident arrest where he was went to a party out in Colorado, a Halloween party, got drugged out, drunk or one or the other, uh, like a zombie, just kind of wandered into a neighbor's home, sat down on their couch. A woman was there with a baby feeding it. And the man came in, picked up a vacuum hose and chased him out. And uh, maybe it's scary. You can't make the, this stuff up. You can't make it up, Roger. It's definitely a Halloween story. But maybe that. Had to be a house with a woman feeding a baby. A baby. I mean, the worst I mean, case scenario. Well, he's lucky. Frankly, yeah. he's lucky that it wasn't a gun owner. Yeah. Okay. Because if it's a gun owner, he's dead. And maybe it scared the daylights out of him. We talked about it at that time that it that it should. Yeah. And if it has, and it's the wake-up call that he needed, the kid is unbelievably talented. He always has been. 
And so maybe uh, maybe this is good. Maybe this is good. Second chance that he needs, and it'll help him straighten up and turn every. It's really about life. It's not about football. It's really about life. It's not about money. A guy straighten his life out. You get one shot at it. You get one life uh, here on this earth, and maybe he can straighten it around and walk the straight and narrow and enjoy the rest of his life. Be fruitful. So um, we'll see how that it's goes. Good to hear. It is good to hear that. I mean, you know, yeah, he, he struggled a lot. A lot. No doubt. So it is good to hear. It'll be, if it can be one of those turnaround stories, that would be great. And it would be a great story to follow. I'll tell you this, the Colts loaded. They were a playoff team last year. Andrew Luck's a real deal. They finally put an offensive line in front of him. Had an outstanding draft, one of the best. They're doing all the right things in Indianapolis. Low dead. Trust me. Uh, before I go too much further, let's just do this for fun. I bet nobody recognizes this TV show. See if anybody knows it. Don't give them the answer, Roger. Let's just see if anybody knows what this is. TV show. Let's just see. I bet nobody knows it. If you do, text me, 885-ESPN. Call me, 995-1059. Easy enough. I bet nobody knows that. Text line here. Does Stevens allow Moorhead to open up? More pages of his playbook. Well, I would say this. Listen, he almost won the starting job. He finishes second in the competition to Trace McSorley back in 2016 under Joe Moorhead. <clears throat> the next year, 2017, he's a backup QB. Played a maybe played some significant snaps in Big Ten games, but played a whole bunch of significant snaps in the offense at other positions, running back and receiver, under Joe Moorhead. Last year at Penn State, Joe Moorhead's gone. He's at Mississippi State. But at Penn State, they didn't really change much. They didn't really change much of their offense, and they didn't really change much of their terminology either. Why? Because Trace McSorley was trying to go win a Heisman. He did get himself drafted. So, essentially, it's a player who's been a part of by you know, kind of de facto the Joe Moorhead offense for three years. The terminology will be nothing for him to pick up. He knows it already. In terms of calling plays and reads and terminology and all that kind of stuff, he's got more experience in it than Keaton does. Think about that. That's just the truth. As noted on the text line, Keaton Thompson is not one of the – how many do they have? How many did they invite? 20? No, it's more than that. 24? Invite 24, 25 quarterbacks or so to the Manning Passing Academy to be the counselors. They um, – Keaton Thompson, not one of them. But – Tommy Stevens is. Now, he's listed as a Penn State guy. 
I don't know if he lost a competition at Penn State or not. I just don't know. I know at one point he was expected to be the starter. On the song, on the text line, look at all the great guesses. It's not Rockford Files. It's not, well, let me see. Before I give all these out on the text line, let's see if Christy on the Divinity Equipment phone knows. Christy, you know what show that is? I believe that's Quincy. It's not Quincy. It's not. Oh. But you are like so, you are so close to it. It's, same time frame. I, same time frame. Everything's a great guess, Christy. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, Dorothy is hanging on. Let's see if Dorothy knows. Do you know what song that was? Manny. Nope. That's not it. <laughs> Thanks, Manny. Sure. Oh, boy. Blast from the past. <laughs> that is a blast from the past right there. Good guess, Dorothy, but that's not it. Thank you. Uh, so on the text line, it's not Charlie's Angels. Joe also, he he guessed Quincy MD. Nope. Somebody guessed Marcus Welby. Nope. Somebody guessed Magnum PI. But I got a correct answer <laughs> here. I mean, it's a, but I got a correct answer. Is that the one we discussed before the show? That's why I had it, Roger. Roger ah. brought this up, and I hadn't thought about it forever. It's Trapper John MD. <laughs> Hey, and look, if you didn't know that this show started in the 1970s, then just listen. Very uh, not the same, but, you know, it's obviously from the same production house as the theme song to that show Chips that we used to watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's obviously came out of the same production house. The only reason I even had it. It's just because Roger and I were talking before the show, and he mentioned it, and I looked it up. I'm like, I bet, I bet that's something people have not thought about in forever. I remember, I, you know, I, I was thinking because Pernell Roberts was was the star of the show, mm-hmm. and I, I was totally mad. I, I was totally did not make the connection at the time because I was young that he was the same guy that was on Bonanza. He was the older brother. Yeah, not you know. Not Hoss and uh, not Little Joe. <laughs> yep. At one time, there were four of them. Yeah. And then there were three yeah. because he quit. He said he was a uh, aristocrat in his field of endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, it was too good for the too good for the stinking number one show. <laughs> too good for gun smoke. Bonanza. I get them mixed up. I get. He was on both. I think he. I think he did a, a turn on there. All right, Gunsmoke was Festus and Matt Dillon. Yeah, James Arness. That was Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke. Actually, started as a radio. Okay. Uh, what they call a rope opera. Oh, okay. That's cool. I liked it. Uh, coming up. A few more baseball details because it's been a long time. Seems like a couple of hours since I kind of went over the schedule. I'm going to go to the SEC tournament, kind of broadcast to you from there the next few days. Look forward to that. Tell you who's playing when and all that kind of stuff. In case you didn't know. Coming up next, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio, connected because of C Spire. Stick around.
You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. I'm Matt, live in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. I think this is someone named Ranger. I think Ranger is the one who remembered that song and that it was Trapper John. Yeah, and several people, including uh, Scott, reminding us that the same guy that was Trapper John was also Adam Cartwright. That's right. He was on there. Bonanza. He was Adam. Adam Cartwright. Well, that's what they're saying anyway. I can neither confirm nor deny because I just do not know. We have a moral dilemma on the text line as well at 885-ESPN. Unnamed texter. Says he needs our help, Roger. He says, tip or no tip on a to-go pickup lunch order. A restaurant worker just gave me heck for not leaving a tip. I uh, hmm. I know what to do on that. What do you, what do, you do? I was give him a couple of bucks just because that person had to shepherd my order, to, you know, to the person preparing it and then to where I was going to be getting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, you know, but I don't tip them like 15, 20%. I was, you know, a few bucks. Yeah. Cause I'm out of your life pretty quick. I'm a, I'm generally a 20% tipper all around. Well on, no, like on the, the normal gratuity when you yeah. had a waiter at your table. I air it to the positive. Yeah, I do too. And then, so on the pickup, oftentimes, uh, look, I, I'll just be honest with you. I, the places that we go and we pick up food, we call it in, and we swing in there, pay, and walk out, and it's in bags for us. We got a you know a Mexican food place here where we do that, several others. I I, I don't leave a tip on there. Should I? I? It's never even crossed my mind for that. Well, because usually it's a, a white person who's going to be doing that for you if it's not the bartender, and they work on tips. So I mean, you yeah. know, I'm not, you know, if you if you don't do that, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm better than everybody else. No, I, tip. Just, I just prefer to. I'd rather not, you know. Yeah, I'd rather tip than not. Well, and honestly, again. I'm sitting if I'm here, going back there, particularly. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here telling you I, it has never crossed my mind. I, it's the first time I've thought of it. Whether I should yeah, put a tip mine either, on a I, takeout. It was only like a few years ago that I realized somebody had made me aware of it. You know, like, oh, never really thought about it. Yeah, I need. Yeah, you're right, because it's generally the same folks. And they're at least taking time out of what they normally would be doing with the tables in the restaurant to – Bag the food up, bring it to the front, make sure they hand it to me, take my card, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Scott, but now don't feel bad, folks. If you haven't, if you haven't really you thought haven't about it, it because yeah. then you have to go. Yeah, I had to go through that. Like a, you know, I somebody explained it either. to me in a nice way, and I'm like, I see the point. Uh, Scott says, "Do you tip at McDonald's?" Same thing, but oh, not really man. because they're not serving tables at the same time. That's right. They're paid by the hour too. By the way, they don't get tips. And here's one that says, "You'd be shocked how many people don't know how to tip." Yeah, well, how to figure it up in their head? They make it easy enough now. Put it on the bottom of the check. Yeah, a lot of them do. Anyway. Ten, fifteen, or twenty, whatever you like. What about when you're at a hotel and you get like room service and they and it says on any of the literature, but then they tell you on the phone also that gratuity is already included. Do you still feel obligated to tip the person who brings the food to your room? No, that's just one of those establishments that's already you know added it to it so presumably they're passing it on if they're not that's between them and the employee yeah okay all right (laughs) you see three hump camel yeah three hump camel on the text line says here's a tip don't eat yellow snow we got it thanks thanks a lot we got it let's go to james on the divini equipment phone what's up james Hey, what's going on? Uh, just listening to what y'all are talking about recently, I've got an unpopular opinion. I feel like restaurants kind of, they get away with not paying uh, waiters and waitresses. You know, I worked as a waiter for not very long, but I'm an ER nurse now, so thankful for that. Yeah. But I remember uh, I used to get paid $2 an hour because it would cover my tax. So my tips didn't get taxed. And it seems like restaurants get away with not paying their employees, and they just leave it up to the customers to pay. And another unpopular opinion, uh, I tip based on service, not based on 20% for every meal, because if I'm not getting my drink refilled, if I'm not getting my order taken, you're not getting a tip. Because I know what you're doing. I know what waiters do. They just sit back there. They, you know, shoot the bull. And that's about all they do if they're not. Because, I mean, if they're doing something else, they're probably smoking a cigarette. Because there ain't too much to do besides wait whenever you're a waiter. Yeah. Uh, But about Mike Bianco, I've heard people talk about him being on the hot seat recently. Bianco, he's, he's kept us in the hunt for the last. I mean, how long has he been the coach? Around 20 years for Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. He's been the coach for a long time, and he's done a bang-up job. We're always in the top 25, and how soon they forget, you know, we used to be terrible at baseball. Now we're awesome at baseball, uh, relatively awesome. I mean, we're getting blown out this year in the regionals. But it's just like Dan Mullen and Mississippi State, my best friend's a state fan. He would always talk about how terrible of a coach Dan was, at, how bad he was at calling plays. Then he goes to Florida, and now he's the best coach in Mississippi State history. I mean, you, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and the grass always looks greener on the other side. We need to keep Bianco, let the man just do his thing. He's got he's got rapport with Ole Miss. Everybody loves him, and just because he's not getting us over that hump, it could be a lot worse if you're an Ole Miss fan. And just wanted to drop that opinion in there. Hope you guys have a good day. Appreciate the call, James. Yeah, very much. Thank you. Johnny Reb on the text line said, have you ever thought about what a ripoff tipping is, though? He goes, what other industry has their customers pay their employees directly so they don't have to pay them? 
<laughs> never thought Sounds of like it. a good deal. Yeah, never, yeah, never thought of it if that way. If you're the employer. Yeah, James, here's a fact. Mike Bianco is one of the best baseball coaches in the country. He's done one of the best jobs in the country for now two full decades at your school. He's never once embarrassed the school. He's improved the program. He's raised the attendance. He's built the support. Recruiting is better. Last year, getting bounced out of the postseason, and then you know this year having some expectations, and so far to this point, not going to host. That's why people are you know upset. It's because you're measuring it against well, Kessinger and those guys were a number one recruiting class. That doesn't mean anything. It means absolutely nothing. Having the number one class means something in football. It doesn't mean anything in baseball, in my opinion. And it proves itself year after year after year after year in terms of postseason and that kind of thing. And this team, so what if they're not hosting? Do you have to host in the postseason to get into Omaha? No. So everybody just needs to shut up and let it play out and see what happens. And I've said that for years and years about any baseball team, but especially this one, you know, and the job that he's done, it's purely asinine. And 99% of the people who criticize don't have one single solitary clue what they're talking about. It's just like you said, your friend in, who's a state fan in football would criticize Dan Mullen's play calling. The next time you have a friend or someone criticize play calling of the coach, ask them what, what play did he call? And when they say, I guess if you check my Twitter, the coaching doesn't seem real hard. Exactly. When they say he called a run play, no, 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 no. I mean, specifically, what play did he call? Like, yeah, the terminology. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, a run play. You know, the blocking, this, how the play is supposed supposed to work, and against that particular defense. So, you know, what what run play was it? Tell me. Ninety nine. of the people who complain about play calling cannot answer that question. Not if you gave them a month, they couldn't answer it. Not without asking someone else because they don't know. He's a bad play caller. Yeah, well, what play did he call? Can't even explain to me what he called. Well, he calls too many. He throws it when he ought to run it. Look, buddy, that ain't enough. That's not enough. Way too much of that crap goes on. Again, 99.999% of the people who complain about play calling, if they had to sit in 10 minutes of film study with that same coach they are criticizing, would be absolutely blown away at everything being considered and at how much, frankly, they don't know. It's funny, that kind of works in other areas of life as well. Politics, religion. Remember this. Here's a parting shot for you on a Monday. Remember this. Oftentimes, the smartest thing you can say is, I don't know. (laughs) Oftentimes, the smartest, most accurate thing that can come out of your mouth is to say, I don't know. Remember that. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. It's in the the intro. (laughs) It sure is. See y'all tomorrow. See you.